Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show, free agency. We are just a little over four weeks away from when free agency begins. And with that in mind, it's time to dig into what the Cardinals' free agency needs might be. A position-by-position look starting with running backs. But first, Larry Fitzgerald was back on the golf course yesterday. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 393, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side to Fitz, caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown. Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. So twice now in three years, Larry Fitzgerald has won the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. There is no Pro-Am this year, MJ, yet Fitz still found a way to participate. He and Bill Murray teamed up on Wednesday for the AT&T Every Shot Counts Charity Challenge. Some background here, Bird Gang. Three celebrity pairings in a five-hole match play tournament. Fitz and Murray, one of the teams. You had... Steve Young as the official scorekeeper, Jim Nance, the event host. And I had a hard time figuring out or or finding, I guess I should say, some results for this event. But I did see and read one write-up, and we can inform everyone that Fitz and Bill Murray did not win, although every team, all three teams, had a chance at winning heading into the final hole. And it was actor Alfonso Ribeiro, and musician Macklemore, who won this charity challenge in lieu of the entire Pro-Am, which Fitz has trophies for winning twice. So once again, we see Larry Fitzgerald on the golf course. He did not say anything to my knowledge about whether we will see him on a football field, though, later on this year. Yeah, normally, you know, before COVID, you know, whether Larry made his decision and normally he would, you know, he would be going outside the country, bungee jumping, climbing glaciers. Uh, I mean, getting a tour guide to go to the safari and see animals up close. I mean, things that uh, you and I couldn't do. And he obviously loves to travel over 100 countries. And now I think he's negated to only playing golf. Because Which is a really, good thing he likes to do. He loves it. And he's gotten better over the years. And you know, he gets invited to all these um, opportunities and really at the end of the day, they're, they're raising money and, and Larry's willing to go out. But, you know, the fact that he golfed with Obama had a hit in, uh, hole in one, like, how does that happen? I mean, Cliff always says this guy's figured out life and, you know, it's good to see him. He's, he told uh, at the uh, Phoenix Open, excuse me, that he's feeling good, even though he's been golfing probably since the end of the season. So that's good to know. And now we're starting to see him at Suns game. So uh, Larry being Larry. He pops up every now and then, whether it's Florida, California, Arizona. But I don't know if he's going to be leaving the U.S. anytime soon. But uh, who knows? I guess it all depends on what he decides to do. I do hope, and this is just me hoping, that the longer this plays out, and that, that, that we're going to talk about this every single show, Bird Gang, but the longer this plays out, It's either one, he's really conflicted, or two is he's leaning one way or the other. And I think the longer it goes, the more apt he would be to come back 
four and 18th season, but that's just me reading the tea leaves and not knowing anything outside of that. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess we're all speculating, but you, you wonder if he's fighting with himself, what he was thinking in September and October, November. And now you let like anything else, you know, you let the dust settle. You evaluate the season. Sure. He wanted to put up better numbers, but he's about winning at this point in his career. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if it means, um, you know, by him waiting, um, you know, again, I just wonder what he was thinking in September and what is he thinking in February? Just getting started here on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. A reminder, Bird Gang, if you enjoy this show, you can get all of your favorite Arizona Cardinals podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Just hit that subscribe button, and then you can listen to all of your favorite shows on the go, like Cardinals Underground, The Big Red Rage, The Cardinals Red Sea Report, and, of course, this show, Cardinals Cover 2. Just go to azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. Hey, Craig, before we get into uh, Cards Cover 2, give you the latest on the Cardinals and some of our thoughts on certain positions, including the running back position. But, you know, I, I turned um, – I was born in 1970, so you can do the math. I'm 50-plus, I'm okay? And I actually got what everyone talks about once you get 50. I got that AARP envelope in the mail yesterday, and I had to do a double take. I thought, and nothing against people that are 50, I thought it was like when you get to 55 or 60. Um, I'm 50, and I'll be 51. Did you get, I mean, is this something normal? What are you asking me for? I'm younger than you are, MJ. You're the old man here on this <laughs> podcast, not me. We have to change the name Cards Cover 2 with the uh, with Grealu and the old man or, or you know, Cardinals <laughs> Cover 1 plus 1 and, and with a little. Well, asterisk. okay, you know, yes, you are younger, but I was, I was alluding to, have you ever heard when somebody gets a certain age, you get the card or they send you the card? No, I don't have any old friends, just you. <laughs> but now right, knowing I, I this, digress, though. But it was like, you know, when you get your license, you're excited, you get to drive, you know, when you get to 21, um, you know, you get to have some pops and you, you get to do more things, you know, you rent a car and you got to be like 27 now and all this other stuff. So there's there's benchmarks, but that's not what I wanted to get in the mail. Well, then you can qualify for all of these senior citizen discounts, which can only help you, your family, and, of course, all of your friends. Yeah, God willing. But, you know, recently had a, a physical, and you never know in life, but uh, I feel good. And then I don't – I think the new 51 is 40. <laughs> Let's hope so. Let's keep our fingers crossed and that uh, Mike Jarecki can get through this show and uh, maybe a couple <laughs> of more shows before he uh, loses uh, – well, whether – his hearing, uh, you know, his voice, his, his sights, you know, yeah. maybe, you know, hair. his hair. Yeah, everything that you associate when you grow old. So it's the old man, Mike Jarecki, joining us here on Cardinals Cover 2. Well, <laughs> we do know this as we get closer and closer to the starts of free agency. Again, the new league year, it's Wednesday, March 17th. Also happens to be St. Patrick's Day. And we know the Cardinals will be active as all 32 teams will. But we thought here as a lead up to that date, we've got just over four weeks that we would go position by position. We've done this the past couple of years, but looking specifically at what the Cardinals did at certain position groups, uh, what they need to do better 
and then whether they address it in free agency or the draft. And we're going to start, and this is all random. There's no specific reason that we chose this position group to go with starting, but we're going to look at the running back group because I know a lot of people, it's the quarterback, the wide receiver, but this team, MJ, big picture, I think we saw, and it goes back to a little bit how the 2019 season closed. But when this team is successful offensively, they are able to run the football. And it's not 150, 200, 250 yards, but they are doing it efficiently and effectively to where defenses have to play up near the line of scrimmage, which opens up the run game. And when the Cardinals were good in 2020, those eight wins, they ran the ball. Those eight losses, not quite as effective running the football. Yeah, and we can look at the numbers. And when they were ranked first overall in total yards, they were able to run the football, as you pointed out, in the the wins they were able to control the line of scrimmage. But they didn't pass the eye test for me down the stretch. And, you know, obviously they went on a a three-game losing streak at one point, and then they got to eight and six, and then they lose the last two games against San Francisco, which is a banged-up team, a third-string quarterback, and we know what happened in the Rams game. But they started um, rotating guys, and, and I understand why they were doing it at right guard with J.R. Sweezy. He was starting to break down, give him a ton of credit. He, he played a lot of snaps since he's been with the Cardinals. He brought some physicality to the group, but they needed to get a little bit younger and more athletic with Justin Murray. And then I thought Calvin Beecham did fine, and maybe Max Williams was dealing with injuries. So – they just didn't pass the eye test. And, and I think Coogs obviously knows a lot more than we do, probably 99% more, at least for me. And I think he was looking for, you know, guys that can come in and play. Because, you know, sometimes Pew would get off for a possession. Uh, you know how I feel about the left side. I think from the center, um, you know, that has to be looked at. And then depending on what they do at right tackle, and I'm intrigued with Josh Jones, but they got to get somebody that's going to hit the hole and not try to dance outside and they have to win at the line of scrimmage. So Kenyon Drake, I thought after the, uh, the trade, I think he showed something for eight weeks and last year there were highs and lows and uh, putting the ball in the carpet, some mental errors just seemed like he was trying to get the home run and you got to let the defense um, dictate that. I'm glad you brought up the offensive line because this is a marriage. When you do talk about running backs and how effective they are running the football, you do have to account for the offensive line. And I know when we talk running backs and the run game with Cardinals, you have to also account for Kyler Murray. But when you just look at the running back position, here are the Cardinals' three running backs that they have on the roster. And then there's a fourth. But here are the three running backs that we know definitely on the roster right now for 2021. Chase Edmonds, Eno Benjamin, and Jonathan Ward. The fourth is Kalfani Muhammad, who signed a futures contract. So you've got those four, and then two other running backs due to become unrestricted free agents. You talked about Kenyon Drake and then DJ Foster. We like Chase Edmonds, and several times over the course of the past couple of seasons, MJ, we've always talked about, hey, maybe Edmonds needs some more touches, whether that's in the run game or in the past game because he's great catching the ball out of the backfield. If you're going into next year with Chase Edmonds as your guy, or at least going to hand him the ball and say, you know what, you're running back number one. This team does know need a compliment to him because 
very specific. This is a one-two running back dynamic. I don't think you're going to get to the point, at least in this offense, where you have just one running back carrying the ball 20, 25 times. I just don't think that's what Cliff Kingsbury likes to do. He rides the hot hand, but you do need that change of pace back. And the question is, if Drake doesn't come back, you got Edmonds, but then who else do you have? What else can this team do to improve being a better, more effective, efficient running game? All right, let's take a look of the guys that are on the roster. Chase Edmonds, uh, you have some numbers for us. I mean, one thing that he uh, is is obviously more excels is, is being targeted in the passing game. So he, he'll be that dual uh, running back where he can do both. Uh, he's improved in pass protection. He's a guy that can run up the middle. You know, Jonathan Ward, six feet, about 200 pounds. Um, he's more of a special teams player. It kind of reminds me of Andre Ellington. He's kind of got the same size, number 38. Um, he could be your short yardage guy, but again, I don't know if he's he's more of a special teams player. So I, I don't know if he, he'd probably be third on the depth chart if you had to ask me. And then the guy that I'm kind of intrigued with, and I know he got a ton of questions last year, and I'm not surprised that he was drafted on the third day, was Eno Benjamin. He kept his mouth shut. I did check out his uh, social media account, and he said this is going to be his year. Um, maybe he wins the uh, the kickoff return job because if Chase Evans is going to be your starter, Eno's going to have to play on special teams. And then, you know, Jonathan Ward was active last year. He plays on teams, but he didn't play a lot on offense. So you, you got to play on teams first. And then you look at, you know, DJ Foster, He's been three seasons with the Cardinals, mainly on special teams. But I do think the Cardinals will draft the running back. Now, you know, people are going to think, you know, 16th overall, you're going to probably have a couple backs there. What do you do? They got more pressing needs. We know on paper going into the season, Chase Edmonds will be the starter, whether they announce that or competition. I'm looking at the second or third rounds. And I, and I know there's two top backs that everyone would like to have. It's not fantasy football. It's about getting the best player at number 16 and maybe addressing the trenches or a pass rusher or a corner. Um, so when I look in the second round, Craig, I like the young man from North, uh, North Carolina, Javante Williams. He's 5'10 and 220. And you and I have talked off air where this team needs a guy that's going to get those grunt yards. Nothing against Edmonds. He's willing to run up the middle. But they need a guy that's going to get the – you know, third and two, third and three, uh, like you see in the league right now with some bigger backs, like a Mark Ingram, and uh, we'll get into free agency. So I really believe the Cardinals will draft the running back, and that running back, because of the nature of the position, you got to learn uh, the different protections, but you can plug and play in certain areas, and I think that's one area they can do it. You want someone who can run between the tackles, lower the shoulder pad, get low, and not be afraid of contact. Not that Edmonds can't do it. I just don't know if he can do it for an extended period of time. I just think because of his speed, he's better apt to get to the edge, get to the outside, and really use his speed in space. And then, of course, his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. 53 catches for 402 yards. He was targeted 67 times, MJ, at least from a – wide receiver, pass catcher, he might have been your second best option, especially late in the season, right next to DeAndre Hopkins. So if you have Edmonds lined up in the slot or split wide, then all of a sudden that leaves someone that needs to share the backfield with a Kyler Murray. And I wonder, you bring up Jonathan Ward, 
I wonder if he might be that short yardage back. Or maybe you try Eno Benjamin. Yeah, he's smaller than a Chase Edmonds, but maybe just the way he's built. And, you know, I'm a little hesitant to, to draft a running back right now just because you only have a handful of picks and this team has so many needs. And maybe you can go out to free agency and find someone maybe a little bit more experienced, but on a cheaper contract. And I just don't know if investing a draft pick in a running back might be the way to go. Unless, of course, you're accumulating extra picks and you have an extra pick and there's someone that you like on day or day two or day three. I, I, I'd, I'd be hard-pressed to see this team drafting a running back on day one even at 16 or if you drop into the 20s. Yeah, I, I, I'm not drafting a running back in the first round. I want to make that very clear. So, you know, the Cardinals right now, um, you know, they're going to have five draft picks and, you know, sitting at 16, if four or five quarterbacks go off the board, then they're going to get a really good player. And I think after 12, Craig, picking 16, you get the same player at 22 or 23. Now, by moving down a few slots, and, and you're going to say, well, they're going to get the fourth uh, best cornerback or the fourth best, um, you know, outside linebacker, which it's not loaded there. Bad example on my part, but you don't know that. I mean, we do we know where, how the Cardinals had the offensive linemen ranked last year? Do we know how they had the wide receivers ranked? I think everyone thought it was Lamb, Judy, and, and Ruggs, and – Based on Jerry Sullivan being with the Cardinals, I got to think Justin Jefferson could have been higher on there. So it's depending what you're looking for, length, size. But I'm not going to draft a running back with with the 16th overall pick. You start moving down, but I think the Cardinals, if they move down not too far, can get an extra third round pick this year, and that will go a long way. You bring up first round running backs, and I know this became a talking point earlier in the month of January because we get these mock drafts and one of the names that we follow is Todd McShay. Well, his first mock draft after the national championship game had the Cardinals at number 16 selecting Travis Etienne out of Clemson. And that certainly raised a lot of eyebrows. He's certainly a dynamic player, but is he any better than a Chase Edmonds as far as height, weight, and his ability to not only run, but catch the ball out of the backfield. And then we've seen the history of running backs in the first round, MJ. They're just, it's not great. Yeah, maybe you get a year or two, but a Christian McCaffrey played three games this past season. Saquon Barkley has played 15 games of the past two seasons. Yes, if you've got a dynamic running back that you like, you go ahead and grab him if you're going to make your offense around that running back, a la Tennessee and Derrick Henry. Cardinals aren't going to do that with a running back. Their offense is based off of Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins and that passing game. They're not going to make a running back a focal point. And you do that if you take a running back in the first round at pick number 16. Yeah, I, I, I mean, obviously, at this point, we have no idea which any team is doing. We can speculate on the, on the top five teams just based on needs and quarterback Everything we're talking about is the uh, the free agencies first. So, and it doesn't preclude them from bringing in a veteran running back. I mean, usually they'll have six running backs in training camp. You know, as you pointed out, they got a futures guy. You can get an undrafted free agent. But I do think, you know, um, 
that Jonathan Ward will likely be the backup because he knows the system. But, you know, I do think they're going to draft the running back now. Let's get in some of the free agents because even though I don't think they'll address that to, to be the backup, there are some guys that have some experience and you, you don't want to bring in too many young guys considering Chase is still, you know, reaching his um, – he's not even close to reaching his ceiling, but you like to have some veteran presence to, if you can. But they also do have a veteran uh, running backs coach. You look at some of the free agent names and there's a, there's a lot out there that are going to hit the market on March 17th. But all you have to do is look within the division at the NFC West, San Francisco, Tevin Coleman, scheduled to become a free agent. He's a bigger back, more like a Kenyon Drake. The Seahawks have two that are expected to hit free agency, Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde. I'd be fine with any one of those three. Now, again, I don't know what it's going to cost, but you certainly would like to have someone that's a little bit bigger than a Chase Edmonds. And then you look at maybe some of those veterans, a little bit longer in the tooth, if you will. A Mike Davis from the Carolina Panthers. The Cardinals are very familiar with him. He's 28 years old. And then you bring up Mark Ingram. He's 31. Now he's, a, he's on the other side. He's on the back half, if you will. But if you're looking for someone that's not afraid of contact, and maybe you limit his snaps, and I know Ron Wolfley is big on Mark Ingram, or at least brought him up when it was known that he was not going to come back to the Baltimore Ravens, that he might be an intriguing name out there. And again, it's all about price one and then fit. And you have to convince these running backs if you're coming in that, hey, we've got Chase Edmonds. We like Eno Benjamin. We're pretty intrigued with Jonathan Ward. So here's where we see you fitting. Is that okay with you right now? For some guys in their mid to late 20s, that's not going to be okay because they want to be on the field. Or the pitch is, hey, come on board, prove us wrong, or let's see what you do in competition with this offense, and we'll see. Maybe it is you become more of a focal point as opposed to a Chase Edmonds. Yeah, and let's not bury the lead. Uh, you know, they did promote Sean Kugler to basically a running game coordinator. And so th there's going to be em emphasis on – and it all starts up front, right he, Sitting here right today, I don't know if we can project the five. We can give you five names. I think we know maybe 60% it could be between Murray, Pugh, and uh, DJ Humphreys. And, again, Marcus Gilbert is under contract. Kelvin Beach is a free agent. They they want to win at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Um, I do think, and you know how I feel, is I think we're in agreement here. The run sets up the pass in, in the Kingsbury offense. So you have to win at the line of scrimmage. Now, some of these names you sent over to me, uh, you know, Chris Carson's 26. He's probably going to get, you know, a little bit of money in the market. Um, you know, Kenyon Drake, we'll see how much he gets. Um, I don't think Kenyon Drake's coming back. I think the Cardinals are committed to Chase Evans. That's just my thoughts. We'll see. Um, Carlos Hyde, I liked. He's bounced around a little bit, six feet, 229 pounds. And, and, and I will know Wolf's been banging on this. They, they need a bigger back that can get those – two, three, four yards. Now, you look at Gus uh, Edwards, 25, he's 238. So, like I said, the Cardinals will bring six running backs to camp. As you pointed out, really, you have Edmonds, Eno Benjamin, and Ward, and they're really excited about all three guys, even though we haven't seen a lot of Benjamin. Again, he was a seventh-round pick, no offseason, no preseason. 
he actually looked well in the, in the, in the red and white practice, but how does that carry over? So um, they could bring in a veteran, but I don't think that's going to be a move we see right away in free agency. Those guys are going to be hanging around. Um, and, and if you're a team that drafts one, now you don't need one. And if they're going to do virtual, you really don't have to have six guys lining up on the field for reps. And with the Cardinals and this running back position in terms of free agency, it could be not the second wave, the third wave, but maybe July, August, closer to training camp, depending on what this offseason looks like. And then depending on what happens in the draft or maybe even those undrafted rookie free agents that might be out there as well that become more intriguing than perhaps paying someone to come on board. You get these guys young. And it goes back to Kenyon Drake. I remember this conversation a year ago at this time after it was known that Drake was coming back on the transition tag. I was full throttle, run him into the ground. He was not going to be a part of the plan, at least at that time, with this Cardinals team in 2021, 2022. I don't see it. I'm in agreement with you. I was a little disappointed in what Drake did this season, especially how he dropped off at the end of the year. Now, was that him? Was that the offensive line? Was that the opposing defense? I don't know, but I was expecting more from Drake, one, because of how much he was getting paid, and two, how well he ran during those eight games when he was acquired midseason in 2019. Well, I mean, I I was looking at him, and, you know, for the third consecutive year, and he's never really been the guy. You know, at, at Alabama, he, you know, he shared reps, and Miami shared reps, and here, came in here and did a nice job and reward himself with the tag. Um, but he didn't get to a thousand yards. And, and, and I know that there were times they have to throw it and, and Kyler take a lot of those uh, reps away or design runs. He finished from nine fifty five, and he had 239 carries, 10 rushing touchdowns. But the thing that's really sticks out is you mentioned that Chase Edmonds was targeted 67 times, 53 catches, four touchdowns, Kenyon Drake had 25 catches and he, and they threw the ball more maybe in December to him than they did earlier in the season. Yeah. It was Edmonds who became more of the pass catcher as opposed to Kenyon Drake. And I'm not exactly sure what Drake is expecting. I know he was hoping that this was going to be the season. He wanted that 1000 yard mark. He wanted to be able to cash in. I just don't know one, if there's going to be any running backs, that are going to be able to cash in this offseason because, one, how people look at the running back position, and then, two, based off of the salary cap and it not being over $200 million and keep going forward, it's going to drop to at least 175 maybe 180 181 but that's certainly going to leave less money to devote to a position that not a lot of teams, again, outside of the Tennessee Titans, that put a lot of stock in running backs. You need a running game. I just don't know if you need a top flight running back. Are the Giants happy with Saquon Barkley? Has he elevated them? No. Christian McCaffrey? No. But they invested first round picks on those two players. And then, you know, are you going to invest a second contract? And I just don't know if that's worth or the correct way to spend money in this new age NFL, if you will. Well, it's all about the quarterback and throwing the football. Yeah, two things to keep in mind here. Always injuries, okay? And then a lot of these guys, I mean, 
I think if you look at Marlon Mack, 24 years old, you could see him getting a two or three year deal. Mike Davis has bounced around. James Conner, a great story there. He's only 25. Chris Carson puts the ball on the carpet a little bit, 26 years old, very uh, light feet. You know, so you look at those ages, you know, Carlos Hyde, those guys are taking minimum deals, Craig. And, and if they rush for X amount of yards or they get, they you know, uh, we're starting to see this maybe over the last five years, if you're active on game day, not on the 53, if you're active, we're going to let you get, you know, make 50 to 75,000 per game. So in other words, if you're not active, we're willing to keep you, but we're not going to pay you like we would on, a, on another guy. So these guys are going to sign one-year deals. Um, you know, Tevin Coleman's bounced around, you know, Hyde's bounced around, you know, Edwards is getting his first opportunity. Now it's easy to go back and do this because Saquon Barkley, I, I, you know, they'll get criticized, but they end up getting Daniel Jones. We'll, we'll see if he's the guy judge wants to run the football physical. Um, Barkley has been hit with the injury bug. So it's kind of like, you know, but Rashad Penny, similar, Sony Michelle, you know, you don't see Belichick usually drafted. Leonard Fournette, he's on his, his, his second team. You mentioned the McCaffrey. Ezekiel Elliott, over the last year and a half, people are starting to question the money he got. Maybe it's because Dak's not there, at least the last season where it takes pressure off of him. But you look at Delvin Cook, Elvin uh, Kamara, and I can do this all day. You can get these backs in the second and third and fourth round. I hate to say it, but they've been undervalued uh, and underappreciated. And um, you're going to have a, you're going to have a team that feels like they're uh, you know a, a bell cow away if they want to run the ball. So I'm just hesitant to draft running back in the first round. And I just think the running back position you talked about being undervalued. I just don't know that teams want to put an emphasis on the running game because these young quarterbacks that are coming out of college and we're seeing around the NFL, they have that ability to run as well. So maybe you don't need that Adrian Peterson type to where you're handing him the ball 32, 35 times because it's running back by committee, including your quarterback. And that brings us to Kyler Murray because you can't have a running back conversation without bringing up Kyler Murray. You don't want him to run a lot. But when this team was better moving the football up and down the field, it was because you had to account for Murray in the pocket and his scrambling ability. And then those designed runs, if you will, to try to catch a defense off guard, especially when you're trying to spread the field and the middle is wide open, he would gain 10, 12, 15 yards. Craig, I'm glad you brought Kyler Murray up, but I'm glad we didn't talk about Kyler Murray as a running back. It's a luxury. And granted, um, he was on pace for 4,000 yards and 1,000 yards rushing came close in both, maybe a little bit closer in the passing. Uh, definitely improved on, on the uh, touchdown interception ratio. Definitely cut down on, on, on the sacks. Um, but the last two seasons, you know, week 16 and 17, he's had injuries. And this is what's going to happen. I'm not going to say RG3, different frame. But when you put yourself out there and, what, and he's taking some hits now, the shoulder, the hamstring, you know, so um, 
again, you like to line up and just run the football. And when the, when that play breaks down, you want him to run. And he's going to be do a much better job throwing on the run. I'm surprised with his baseball background. I see these quarterbacks in the postseason, not, not Brady, but Rodgers. They throw on the run. They don't have to stop. That's something that comes natural to him. So what I'm getting at is I'm glad we didn't mention him here because that position as a whole has to get better, the running back position. Yeah, last resort for Kyler Murray to run the football and more focus on the running back running with the football. And uh, just going back to Chase Edmonds, and we I go back and forth, and yeah, you like to see him with the ball in his hands and you think he can be the guy, and then all of a sudden he, you give him that opportunity and he doesn't produce. It was week nine. He had two starts. One was week nine when Kenyon Drake was out with an ankle injury. And Edmonds carried the ball 25 times for 70 yards. That's not a great average yards per carry. Yet, could you see a Chase Edmonds be the guy from week one all the way through 16 games through week 17 be that guy to where, yeah, you ride the hot hand, and then on occasion he comes out for that bigger back or those shortage yards situations? Yes, and, and, and I think he, he could be a little bit different where, you know, the guys like Drake and depending on if you draft that bigger back, they kind of got to get in the rhythm. I think he's more of a guy that when he gets the ball, he makes things happen. Um, but also he was playing through some injuries and it really affected his um, elusiveness, you know, uh, you know, after that, uh, I mean, it was the Buffalo game or something like that. I, I can't remember which one, but then he missed some time. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, but the, the thing is, is he going to run it 25 times? The thing you want to do is do you want him to be targeted and touches somewhere between 18 and 22 and then, you know, see who the backup is and maybe the tight ends more involved in the offense. But I, I just think if he gets a chance to start the game, uh, you could have some more positive yards on first and second down than Drake trying to figure out what hole he's going to go to. We continue here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. A reminder, Bird Gang, if you haven't already, update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more information. I want to look at some of the numbers by this Cardinals offense as far as running the football, because as much as we focus on Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, this team has been the past two years a very good running team overall. And then I'll drive into or dive into the second half of the season because there was a considerable drop-off in 2020 when it came to running the football. But the Cardinals finished eighth best, tied for eighth best as far as average yards per carry. They were the seventh best rushing team as far as yards per game and almost 140. And their 22 rushing touchdowns, fourth most in the league, and then I found this interesting because we talk about balance, running the football and throwing the football. Cardinals almost had 30 rushing attempts per game. It was 29.9. So let's round up. 30 rushing attempts per game, sixth most in the National Football League. Again, some of this is Kyler Murray, but it does show that there is a commitment to running the football. And then you brought up Sean Kugler as the run game coordinator, a new title to his offensive line coach duties. How much more do you think this team will run the football this coming season? I do. Um, and, and I think it all starts up front. 
And the fact is that they, Kyla's got to be a, he's got to do a better job sitting in the pocket and making throws, step up, up in the pocket. Don't drift like Patrick Mahomes did in the Super Bowl. He, we've seen that over the last couple of years and then you run around like your head's cut off. So if they can protect him, I, I think it's very important. Uh, they, they, they want to be physical and that's where it all starts. I mean, I, you know, it's blocking and tackling, but game usually comes down to the trenches. So I don't know how many, I mean, that usually if you run the ball 30 times in a game and you average it, you're, you're going to have a winning record because at some point you're controlling the line of scrimmage and at some point you're protecting the lead. And that's something they weren't able to do. And that's, that's part of uh, learning how to finish and learning how to win. Um, but I do think there's going to be a more of an emphasis on lining up and running the football versus, and a lot of it's going to hinge on, you know, what down and distance it is. You know, are they third and short and third and long? But there's a reason why. I think I think they're really going to get committed to run the football and then have Kyler do his thing when it comes to throwing the ball with better options and more playmakers. You look at the season and these 16 games, and if you divide it in half, the first nine games and that six and three record, and then we know the team stumbled and tripped over themselves those final seven games. And not that this is the answer to what happened, but I went back and looked at the numbers, and those first nine games, this team averaged on the ground per carry almost 5.3 yards a touch, which is phenomenal. I mean, two carries, you got a first down. The last seven games, though, the Cardinals averaged 3.75 yards per carry. Less than four yards a carry those final seven games. My big question is, why? What happened? They're still running the football. There's still those rushing attempts. Was it the defense? Was the defenses that they faced? Or was it just a lack of the running backs finding room, either by their choosing as far as missing the holes that were open, or the offensive line? didn't do its job. And those are questions, MJ, that I, I just don't have without sitting there looking at the all 22 film of every single running play. You know, that's why a Sean Coogler gets paid to do what he does. And this is a big offense or a bit big off season as far as trying to figure out what happened at the end of 2020, whereas this team did not get into the postseason and the failure to run the football effectively might be at the top of that list. Well, I think a couple things. You know, they didn't start moving Hopkins around. Um, you know, he was lining up on the left side the majority of the season. And that's normally where an X receiver lines up. You're hoping he gets one-on-one -on -one coverage, very similar to Scotty Miller uh, before the half uh, in, in the conference championship game. But, you know, they're, they're playing that mush defense. And so they weren't able to run. And, you know, Kyler obviously got hit a little bit, but, those are that's about adjustments at that point. You know, I'm glad you brought these numbers up because again, the eye test told me they weren't as effective. And they were they were rotating players and some players are breaking down. I think Mason Cole, um, he was getting pushed around a lot, and that's where Kyler wasn't able to step up in the pocket. But you know, the thing is over the last couple of years, they they were averaging over five yards per carry. They're in the top five. Um it's it's not a huge drop-off, but to me, I thought that was the strength of the offense, the offensive line. You know, clearly it wasn't the wide receivers besides hop. Tight ends still have a long ways to go. Running back was, you know, you thought it was top heavy, but 
didn't get the production out of Drake, but I thought the offensive line was their strength, and they still do. Um, but just they didn't pass the eye test, uh, and they were get listen. They got beat in the trenches. We could talk about them getting out coached and outplayed. They got beat in the trenches against the Rams and 49ers in week 16 and 17. And that normally don't see that from a Sean Kugler, Brinson Buckner group. It was two seasons in one, if you will, to account for this discrepancy from the first nine games to the last seven games. Because overall, yeah, this team, a top 10 rushing offense. And that's all you need in this game, especially if your quarterback is going to throw the football well. And I think Kyler Murray is only getting better in that aspect. But if you break it down per week, something dramatically changed in those seven games. And I think that has got to be the focal point. And you look at 2020 in part one, what we do well, and then part two, what didn't we do well? And more importantly, why didn't we do it well? Were we just stubborn trying to do the same thing and not adjusting to what opposing teams had figured out on how to stop us? Or was there this battle amongst coaches and players big picture in it here, Burgang, that, yay, this is what we do and we're just going to continue to do it. And I wonder with Sean Kugler now getting the added title, does that mean a larger, louder voice as far as putting together game plans and more importantly, on game day as far as what they do as far as play calling is concerned? Well, I mean, if, if, if you're talking about that, and I really didn't think about it over the last you know couple of weeks when I made the uh, announcement, is uh, I think it's going to be on Cougs when it comes to short yardage situations. I mean, now I, I want to make sure um, I, I was able to bring this up. I know everyone talks about when Kyler came back in the game and it was a third and 18 call, and they ran that – Option. That option. There was a miscommunication on that play. I think it's I think it's fair to say because everyone was on Kingsbury. Why would he call that play in that moment? He was just returning. You, you, you don't. You, but here's the thing, MJ. Yeah. Even if there was a miscommunication or a blocking yeah. assignment, you don't call an option play with a quarterback who's less than 100 percent when you need 18 yards and then punt the ball on fourth. No, down. but I'm saying I mean I, I, that I don't know if that was a, the actual call. I'm just saying there was a miscommunication where at that point it's hot potato. So what what I'm getting at is I think Kugler would be more involved in the short yardage stuff is, you know, instead of the jet sweeps, I mean, that's part of a, you know, maybe you do that on first and second down. So you get positive yards, but they have to convert on these fourth and ones, third and threes. Um, you know, they can't kick field goals because they, they weren't able to convert on a fourth and one at the one yard line. That's got to change. And I think that's going to come more on Kugler to where that that's part of the running game during the week. That's what Hayden and, and the running backs coach. But I think when it comes to game day, let's do this, where ultimately Cliff has the say, and he has the final say because he's a head coach and play caller, but he, he has more input in the offense. Sean Kugler's influence is going to be interesting to see, and whether we get it vocally, we're not going to know for certain until games start being played in September and October. But for me, that might be one big question that I have this entire offseason. You didn't bring in an offensive coordinator and not to call plays. Kingsbury's not going to give up play calling. But what that run game coordinator title means and just how much of an influence 
an offensive line coach might have to this offense as far as moving the football, making sure you're gaining first downs and not punting the football. Yeah, I mean, there's times when, you know, Cliff will go to those guys and, and listen, at the end of the day, the offensive line, they want to run the ball. They want to line up and run the ball and run it right down your throat. And sometimes, you know, Cougar's got to say, you know, if, if the defense just went three and out, and Cliff knows this, we need to run the ball. We need to give those guys a break. And, and again, when it comes to those short yardage situations, uh, whether Kyler's under center or not, they have to they have to execute it and get it done. And that starts up front. So I, I think, you know, we're going to see this offense line up and try to run the football instead of being cute on certain downs. And, you know, he, he's got to play in his playbook that, you know, he thinks is going to work. No, just line up and play football. Execution. All 11 guys do their job. It works. So I think we're going to see a difference in just the short yardage situations where, hey, let's not get cute here. Let's, let's get the first down and then avoid the negative plays. We all want answers, MJ, but I don't. On this particular topic and discussion point, I don't think we're going to get any answers until the start of the season. No, and, and you know, Kugler's, you know, I guess by title, we usually talk to, um, you know, uh, Cliff and then Vance and Jeff Rogers. So we'll see how that works. But he's not a guy that's rah rah. Uh, he he, he kind of does his thing, and he's got a lot of respect in that room but I think he knows they need more from their, from their starters. And, and that's something that will be drilled down. Again, I trust him. He's one of the best in football. And there's a reason why they made, they gave him the promotion. Again, I think it's more about being physical and winning those one-on-one matchups and short yardage situations and just making this offense more balanced. Any last words here before we wrap up this discussion on running backs, whether it's, who's here on the roster, who might be here on the roster, whether you bring back Kenyon Drake or address the running back position in free agency or the draft as we put a bow on this first position-by-position look headed into 2021, the official start of the new league year. Well, when you when you look at your offense, you know, who's your quarterback? And I think the Cardinals can check that box. Got to get better. I think when you look at the number one wide receiver, they can check that box. And I, I think Chase Edmonds, we, we need to wait and see. But I'm not drafting a running back in the first round. That we are in agreement here on Cardinals Cover 2. And we'll see what kind of address the Cardinals do with that running back position, whether it is free agency. And we're talking third, fourth, fifth wave, maybe late in the summer. Or it's done at the end of April during the draft. On that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Amahundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.